My name is William Corliss and this is the Workplace Podcast. Brought to you in association with Yellowwood, providers of executive coaching, corporate training and facilitation. Your external learning and development partner. Each week we focus on a different aspect of the workplace. We hear from guest speakers who will be subject matter experts, who I believe are incredibly talented at what they do. These experts will give you a different perspective and insight to work life, with the aim of empowering you to take a different path to success in all aspects of work life. These perspectives will include career and personal success, leadership, high performance teams, and creating a better work life culture in your organization. Yellowwood, take a different path to success with your career, team, and organization. Welcome to the Workplace Podcast. Our guest today is Andrew Campbell. He is a living legend and a true gentleman, respected academic and director of Ashford Strategic Management Centre at Ashford Business School. Together with Michael Gould, he's an international authority on corporate strategy with such classic texts as corporate level strategy and strategy for for the corporate level. He's also an authority on organization design, being the person who developed the nine tests of good organization design and co-wrote the book, Designing Effective Organizations. Andrew has published more than 10 books and a simple search of the Harvard Business Review website returns no less than 250 results. He's also the author of the classic book, Operating Model Canvas. Andrew, it is a pleasure to have you on the podcast. How are you? I'm I'm well, um, William. Nice to see you again, and uh, and um, I'm looking forward to the conversation. So, Andrew, I have wonderful memories of Ashridge. It's a bit Harry Potter like. It had the dusting of snow when I was there this time two years ago, and I have wonderful memories of you because I was really, I suppose, in awe of you in some ways in terms of your depth of knowledge, expertise, but also it's knowing all aspects of organization to design and not just design, but you know, organization design, but many other topics. And you were so open uh, to new concepts. You know, it was very much that agile mindset that we're going to talk about today. And you might recollect, do you remember me in any way? You've, you've had many participants. Oh, no, no, William, yes. Uh, well, um, you, were, you were one of the most sort of energetic and engaged um, participants that we've had. And, uh, I, I recall you um, kind of doing the background reading kind of more in more depth than other people, you know, finding uh, materials or books that, uh, that even I didn't know about. And, and, and uh, so it was a stimulating uh, relationship we had. Yeah, thank you so much for those kind words, uh, Andrew. Um, and again, in terms of today, our, our topic is on organization design, and it's really about designing with agility. So our listeners may not know, what is organization design before we go into the agility piece? What is organization design? <laughs> well, the good, it's, it's, a, it's a good question. It's inevitably a, a slippery slope. Yeah. Uh, at, at one level, it's uh, deciding who reports to whom, the, yeah. the lines and boxes chart, and um, for for many people that's that's a very good starting point. If if you can have that in mind, then you kind of have a sense of what you're trying to do. Um, but um, I think of good organization design or good organization as capable people working 
well together. So what yeah. you're trying to do is to set the organization up so that capable people work well together. And that is about finding people who can do the tasks that you want them to do and uh, creating an environment and mechanisms and information systems and whatever else you need to help them work well together. Um, you know, it's no different than a team sport, really. You want, you want good players who, who can play their positions well. Um, so it's not, a, it's not about good versus bad, but it's about, you know, somebody who's good in goal and somebody who's good on the, on the wing and somebody who's good at scoring goals and so on. Um, so they have to be good for the, for the job you want. And then you want them to play well together. And, uh, <laughs> many organizations fail unfortunately on a bit of both you know they often don't have the the tasks to find right or the people fitting the task and frequently there are silos and and infighting and politics and the working well together bit doesn't doesn't always happen and that's true in football teams too yeah and and and, and then we bring the, you know, organizations can benefit in many ways, can't they, from organizational design. Um, and I remember being on the course and I remember being at one stage, and it's like anything that you're learning for the the first time. It's very clunky at the start. It felt very clunky. And then, I can, you know, you, you started reinforcing your nine test theory. And that's where I, w- I moved away from being, overwhelmed to being more there's a framework here and I can I can use the framework according to I suppose uh, the context that I'm working with so I don't have to have all the answers straight away but it's using the information in terms of the context that the organization is can you speak more about that because that's that was something I found insightful I was sort of as a strategist I was sort of brought up um, in the era just before and after Michael Porter. So it's kind of sort of in the strategy world, that's like, you know, AD and BC. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but the, the, the thing that most impacted me uh, in terms of his contribution in that area was simple tools. So mm. his value chain tool, his five forces framework and so on, are really simple and, and his you know, competitive, the competitive advantage concept, which wasn't, you know, it wasn't entirely new because people used to talk about unique selling propositions and so on, but he, he came up and those simple um, concepts and simple tools are, are gold dust when you're doing strategy work because you can always go back to them whenever you're in a model. Um, and in the same way, I, Michael Gould and I tried to do the same sort of thing in the organization design field. You know, what, what are the simple concepts and tools that you can always go back to when you're in a model, um, which will help you out of, uh, out of the confusion you're in? And Good Heavens Organization is a tough area because there are so many moving parts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and human beings being, um, you know, uh, um, uh, hard to pin down, you are, you're, always, you're always in a confusion. You need, yeah. some, you need some simplicity to help you through it. And there's a lot of flux at the moment with uh, the pandemic and moving to a, a more of a virtual uh, working platform then. And, you know, people are changing their strategy a lot more internally, but also in terms of the, the constant changing uh, markets there. So, 
again, this brings us to the whole notion of how to design for agility, because you wrote a recent uh, blog uh, post, an article there, which I found insightful, which was, you know, that there is this need for um, agile evolution, you know, and you were inspired by that article by the, um, the Journal for Organization Design. So can you tell me a little bit more, what are the challenges at the moment that people might be facing and how might they mitigate, mitigate against those? Um, well, I think I, I was sort of trying to look at this problem through the lens of a designer. Mm. And, um, and the difficulty with, um, uh, with design is that you're trying to create a finished product, which you're then trying to make happen. So if you're thinking about designing a, a, a mobile phone or something, you know, you're, you're trying to create a, a, a design and then you're going to manufacture that design and then you're going to sell that design. And, um, in the same way, one is uh, when one's doing organization design, you're trying to trying to create a model of of the organization that you want, and then you're going to try and transform what you've got into the model, and then you're going to you know run the model. And um, the difficulty with that is that the world is shifting. Human beings don't always do what you want them to do. And anyway, you don't understand everything that you'd like to understand. Um, so you, you sort of know you're going to get it wrong or it, it's going to turn out not the way you expect it. And, um, and so that is, that's the challenge I was, I've been trying to deal with. So you need organizations that can respond to changes in people quickly, um, who can respond to changes in the marketplace or changes in, in their customer needs quickly to, you know, new pandemics and something they've got to respond to quickly you need organizations that can respond quickly and yet you want to you also want to design them you don't want them just to to develop in a haphazard way um, and so the question is how do you design recognizing that you also what need the organization to be able to flex fast and that was uh, that that was what i was i've been wrestling with and i've been wrestling with this for a while and i haven't I don't think I've arrived at any definite answer, but I was uh, I was stimulated to make some comment. Um, uh, and what I found useful about organizational design, and especially this agile uh, mindset and designing for the agile mindset, if stuff will go wrong, the stuff that you can't foresee, there's these unintended consequences of the design, how people, you mightn't understand the task, you mightn't understand the resources, you mightn't understand the value proposition that when you design something, you might lose something else. Isn't that correct? Yeah. Yes. No, there's, 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 a, there's a lot to understand. I like, I like you're mentioning the, the value proposition thought, which is a kind of a sort of jargony phrase. So for any listeners, um, what, the, what on earth do we mean by that? Well, what we just mean is what, what value, what, what product, what service are you trying to deliver? Uh, you know, and obviously in some sense of to whom, so, you know, what is it you're trying to do for some people is, is a very good starting point because that helps you then think about um, what are the tasks that you need, you need to do, you and your team need to do in order to create that beneficial outcome for whoever it is that you want to create that beneficial outcome for. And then, and then thinking through which of those tasks are most critical to, 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 to creating that, that outcome is, is very important because it's, it, that is the. Uh, I'm also influenced by a McKinsey phrase, I think, which is stability and flexibility. Yeah. 
you know, in when they're talking about organization thinking. And and so what you're trying to do is what do we need to be stable and what can we allow to flex and respond? And so the things that are most important to to do well for the outcome you're trying to achieve, you really want to be quite stable. And but quite a lot of other things, you, it doesn't matter if they flex quite a bit. And it's um, um, I'm old enough to have also been brought up on Tom Peters and that great book in Search of Excellence. And he had this loose tight concept, which is the same same sort of thought. Um, but even but even within that, the organization also needs to be able to flex in the most important tasks if if the you know, situation demands or if the designer got it wrong in the first place. And um, uh, and this is the this is the challenge. I mean, it's a bit like the the conflict between waterfall and agile. You know that a, a project manager wants to plan out the project at the beginning for the next six months, but an agile approach is well. Let's do let's do a sprint this week, and then let's think again, and then let's do a sprint next week, and let's think again, let's do a sprint the week after, let's think again, and so you kind of evolve the project as you as you move forward and it's it's that sort of clash between design and agility also which one is trying to wrestle with and it's a bit like if you were to do it as a house is you know if you keep adding to a house you know it looks a bit clunky whereas if you have an overall design and then add as you go on and adapt as you're going on so there is there is a certain need to be that higher level thinking design and then it's the you know the, you know that that agile we need to figure out as we go along isn't it uh I, there well, I is, think that, I, I, it is a bit like that and i it's the house analogy is, is quite tricky because of course you know once you put the plumbing in it really is a pain to move it around yeah um, and once you've got the foundations in if you then say oh i'd like to have a cellar you know it's quite tricky <laughs> yeah um, so i think that that but and that and maybe that's true in organizations it's just as difficult to, to change things once you've set them up. Um, but uh, what you're trying to do is, is have a design, but, but recognize that the owners um, might well want to remodel the kitchen, you know, six months in or, or um, you know, change the living room into the bedroom, yeah. um, you know, after, after living there for a month. Or you know, build a porch because they didn't, had forgotten about the fact that it rains a lot in there, or whatever it is. Yeah. And and so it's it's that um, uh, it's that that one's trying to give. And the difficulty with organisations is is that one's a bit liable to once you've set it up, particularly if you're the leader, is not want people to tinker around with it until they've given it a good try because you've got this concept of how it's all going to work, yeah. and you want them to try your concept it's a bit like the architect saying no 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 i don't I, I i didn't intend you to eat while watching the television so why don't you just eat in the dining room yeah <laughs> because that's why we that's why we had a dining room <laughs> don't you remember and then people say oh no well actually we really want to watch this television program so we're going to eat in the, in the lounge and, and then you know the, the, the architect say oh well if you'd only told me that in the first place i could have designed a you know a table in the lounge <laughs> and it's 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 that kind of thing. So then the, the difficulty for, for for participants is how much am I allowed to change and and how do I go about it and and so I an awful lot of it happens sort of skunk works under the table. Oh well, I'll just you know I know HR don't approve, but I'll just do this. 
and um, uh, and that, of course, then begins to undermine the integrity. Potentially, begins to undermine the integrity of the organisation and also the the sense of a, a community with a common design. Mm. And and it, it, is it is it that co creation that needs to happen where you have real stakeholder engagement to say, listen, if we were to impl- implement this design, does this fulfil the needs of the strategy? Does this fulfil the needs of how to complete the task? Because Obviously, you have to think about tax execution for the strategy to be a success. I th- the difficulty with co-creation, it, which is absolutely what happens over time. So it's it's a bit like you know the architect will design the house, the the the, the, the owners will sign off on it, and then five years later the house will be pretty different from what the architect designed and the owners originally thought. Um, and so, so co-creation happens over time, but the problem about co-creation is it does take a long time. So if you're going to set up a, um, you know, make a, make a significant change and it's fairly urgent because things are not working right. Um, if you do it in a co-creation way, my experience is, and if you do it well, it's going to take you a couple of years. I mean, if it's any kind of a large organization. Um, so inevitably, you, you co-create with with a, a subset of the people, and therefore a subset of all the knowledge, and therefore you you um, you, you don't in, involve everybody on every on every aspect, and, and and therefore there ends up being you know a bit of top-down design, and and people are and, and of course some people don't really even particularly want to be involved yeah. in that dialogue because it's messy and it's intellectual and it's confusing and it requires sitting in meetings and um uh but that doesn't mean when they when they're um you know working on their job that it doesn't stop them cursing whoever it was to design this process you know yeah <laughs> and, 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 and this is where you have the operating model canvas and then you have the your, your nine tests so how might the operating model canvas first help people you know, first of all, during um, these difficult times that we find ourselves in? I think that's too, um, too immediate a question. <laughs> so, yeah, so. yeah. My, when you're writing something like, so, by the way, we should, for, for listeners, we should um, make it clear what, uh, what an operating model is versus an yeah. organization design. So, yeah, yeah. Because um, the two concepts are, are quite overlapping. And in fact, quite a lot of the tools that you use are, are, are similar. But the operating model is, is more ambitious. So organization design is really thinking about the people and how, they're going, how they should behave and how they um, are, are structured into an organization and what support they need. Whereas the operating model is, 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 is looking at a wider set of um, uh, issues such as what the IT system should look like, you know, what the locations the locations should be, and what sort of properties do we need in each location, or supplier structures, and so on, need to be. So it's it's, it's got a slightly broader um, remit uh, than 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 the organisation design. Um, so wait a minute. Now back to your question, which was how has this helped people or been used by people during this difficult pandemic period? And the answer is, I don't think it has really made much difference. The, the, the people I've been working with are, are are working on big operating model 
challenges um, which were which were the same before the pandemic and the same after. Um, you know, like how does the headquarters interact with the business divisions or how do we set up an OD function within HR or, you know, what is what is what should a data management capability look like? Or those are the sorts of things that I get involved in with the operating model canvas. Uh, for me, how I, I really found organization design helpful is that when and I was speaking to you earlier before we hit record was actually when I'm when I'm coaching leaders I'm using your frameworks and I'm using the nine tests to really kind of think through to give leaders confidence a confidence before they start engaging their teams and start a strategy so they can have a bit of clarity first before they go in and I think what's what I learned most about uh, the courses sometimes you have to utilize the resources that you already have uh, in terms of to be really effective as an organization can you can you talk more about that because if we have somebody that's really valuable on the, the team do we organize around that individual or do we actually focus more on the design you know and I, yeah. I thought it was a really fascinating concept because it's it's a bit like you know your kitchen ingredients you have to work with you, what you got you know because <laughs> isn't that true and that, that's why I quite like the, the, the sort of sports analogies. Yeah. Because if you've got, um, you know, Ronaldo or Messi or, or, um, or whoever in, in, your, um, in your team, then you will set it up differently because you, you want to make sure you're, you're utilizing those, those, those unique capabilities. And that's really true in any, any organizational activity, any team activity. You're going to have some special people who've got special capabilities and you're going to want to want to organize around them. That's one input. Another input is um, many times you can't, and I'm doing some work at the moment in the Middle East, and you can't, you know, it is almost impossible to um, ask somebody to go find themselves another job. And, um, you know, even if they're not performing um, in the role that, 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 that you have them in currently. So you're, you're obliged to find another role for those people. Um, and, uh, and so that's a bit like your ingredients. Okay, I want you to make an apple pie and you have to use wholemeal flour because that's what we've got. And say, so okay, well, I'm going to make an apple pie with wholemeal flour. Now, how am I going to do that? Um, and uh, so the, the textbooks often tell you, no, no, you do the you design the organization for the strategy and then you populate it with people and my view is yes you do design the organization for the strategy but you also design it for the people because it is the organization is there to help the people work well together you know otherwise you don't really need an organization you just kind of let people uh, get on with it um and so uh, you have to recognize that you're designing the organization for the strategy and the people. And of not obviously only the people who already exist, because you might be able to nip out to the shops and buy some, you know, apples for your apple pie if you haven't got them. Yeah. Um, and um, so, so you may be able to get some other people in and you may be able to move some people that you have out. But, but given your knowledge of what sort of people you have available inside and out, you should design very much taking that into account. And there is a huge emphasis then on really knowing your your people, 
yeah, and, and that, of course, typically the, the, the organization design team are sort of analytical people who don't really um, have the skills or the or the inclination to you know, business analyst types to to understand people to recognize that all people are unique and that some people have got really special strengths and appalling weaknesses and and so on. It's a lesson I learned quite quite slowly in in my um, in my experience was how people you think are unbelievably capable and talented can have the most appalling weaknesses um, uh, and you would which you could never have imagined. Yeah, well, this is the whole reason behind the podcast is I want to show, I suppose, the workplace to be viewed in different lenses. And many people don't see through this lens of organization design. And even if you're an organization designer, you don't see it through the lens of other people that are actually on on the, the I suppose, the cold front or, you know, client facing um, perspective. What are the different lenses that people need to be looking at then or considering in design? Um, well, getting back to my sort of Michael Porter comment, um, I think the key is to have uh, a, a set of simple tools that you can you can grab and use when you think it's going to help you, you know, in the confusion that you're inevitably going to be in. So yeah. um, th- those 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 are what I think of my my lenses into organisations are things like, you know, a a stakeholder uh, map, which which helps you figure out, okay, who are the who are the customers of this organization? Because often an inter- you're organizing something internal, and the internal customers. Who are the customers? Who are the suppliers? You know, who's the who's the kind of owner of this thing? You know, who are the employees? Kind of, you know, understanding the the pieces around whatever it is you're designing. So that I always find useful. Um, um, something I call a value chain map, which is about, you know, what's the, what's the value you're trying to create? What's the beneficial outcome you're trying to create for whom? And what's the work you have to do to create it? What's the, what, what's the operating work, you know, buy, make, sell, whatever it is, what, what's the, what are the steps that you need to go through? And, and often you have, you know, multiple value propositions or benefits that you're trying to create for different people. And so you need a kind of, a works a, a chain of work steps for each of those, so that you understand what work is this organization primarily trying to do, and that will help you often think about oh okay so we need these kind of people to do that well and we and they should probably roll report to so and, and so on so you 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 get um, you get that that probably is my most powerful tool is this value chain map tool and then I have a, a uh, a tool called organization modeling, which which distinguishes between people who do operating, you know, doing the main tasks and the, and the support people like finance and HR, and then helps people think about those relationships between, which nearly always go wrong between <laughs> the, the, you know, I'm here to help you, um, kind of headquarters people and the, and the operators who are trying to get the job done. Um, and, and how do you think about that? And then, and then the nine tests, as you as you keep mentioning, which which is sort of a a catch-all, um, uh, but helps you uh, evaluate either a current situation. You know, what, is is this is this good enough, or some idea that you have? You know, is it um, uh, is this a, is this a good idea? You know, is it better than the current? Um, and 
there are very few situations that you're in where one of those doesn't shed some light and move the conversation forward. Um, uh, and but there's no particular, but a bit like I, I think on the course I probably use the carpenter analogy. It's, it's it's you've got this bag of tools and you have different jobs thrown at you and and you don't always use the tools in the same order. You know you don't always get out the hammer first and then then, then the drill and then the screwdriver. You 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 do you use whichever one is is relevant at the moment. Um, I found that re re so reassuring <laughs> when you gave that <laughs> analogy because it really depends on context, doesn't it? So it's a bit like when I was using the operator model or the nine tests, it's like you might lead with something or you might actually go, well, actually, maybe we need to use another tool first and then revisit that, you know. So, you know, it, it's not a very linear um, way of working. And that's where it takes a particular mindset, doesn't it, to be able to be an effective organization designer, you know, and there's lots of learnings in that is the more experience that you get, the more you kind of feel comfortable being agile. And that's what we're the whole, I suppose, uh, topic of our conversation is about being agile, isn't it? It's designing for that. It's being comfortable with that. Well, there are two, yes, there are two parts to what you're doing. So one is in a sense the, an agile approach to the design challenge. So, you know, don't, don't set up a project plan at the beginning and say, well, we will do this in month one, this in month two, this in month three, and we'll have five options in month four and, and we'll choose them. Because it doesn't really work like that. You have to, you have to um, uh, uh, follow the flow of the, 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 the problem you're trying to solve. Um, so that's the, an agile approach to problem solving. But then of course, there's, there's going back to this point about uh, designing a solution, which itself is, going to be able to flex um, because you're going to get it wrong in areas because people aren't going to behave in the way you wanted them to behave and therefore you know that may require some flexing and and three because the because the, the world changes and um i have i've been playing around with these ideas of um of the importance of um of a sharp accountability and, and KPIs as a way of exposing places in the organization which aren't performing in the way intended. And, and so that's a kind of concept of, of, of misfits, either because the design was wrong or because the people aren't behaving right or because the world has changed. Um, and, and if you've got this, this, this um, sharp accountability, then you can expose those quickly and you can redesign quickly. But of course, you really need to give that uh, responsibility to the managers on the, on the job. So this is the sort of co-creation. So you need, the, you need um, managers to have the authority to make quick redesigns, just like a football manager would, you know, if a, if a player is, is, is really not performing or they're injured or whatever it might be, you're going to change the team around. Um, and, um, and, and it, it's that recognition that everyone is, is sort of should be continuously designing, but it, within an overall context. And then obviously you need some kind of review of the small changes that have been made to make sure that they're not undermining the foundations of something else that is, that is uh, important, really important. Um, but but you you mustn't have that process for for um, reflection 
uh, uh, be a be a, an approval process, which which slows down the redesigns. Um, so it's 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 um it's something as you can probably tell I haven't really <laughs> solved yet, but I am thinking about. I think it's a fascinating uh, thought, and if I might be bold to, in terms of my interpretation of it, is it that that organization design becomes an element of the balanced scorecard, if you want to call it that, where we this is a, a focus, and then there is because we place KPIs in that, I we're able to place accountability on the designers, but also is there a gap in terms of where the implementation or the resources are required to make sure it's effective? Is, is, is that what I'm understanding, you know, from- Well, I think I might, I might put it the other way around, William, in that it's, it's that a, a, um, a balanced scorecard is certainly a critical part of an operating model. You yeah. want to, when you're designing an operating model, you, one of the things you want to design is what is going to be the scorecard for this this and i think you could say the same really for organization design once you've designed a, an organization particularly an, an organization structure you probably do want to um close that out by saying and, and how are we going to measure the performance of each of these boxes in the organization chart yeah um, uh, um, so it's it's um, i think it's possibly more that the the balanced scorecard is a subset of or input into the balance scorecard is part of the work. Of, no, that's that's probably what you were saying. Anyway, yeah, they are connected. <laughs> they, they are connected, and uh, you know, I'm glad. I'm glad we discussed that because it's it's really about it. It's it's how do you keep the focus on it, isn't it? And if it isn't part of a a KPI, a key performance indicator, how do we measure that? You know, the design is a success rather than waiting for an employee survey or waiting for a financial statement at the end of quarter. You know, yeah, and it, might, course, it might take time. What's interesting is it, 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 we do, we are a bit liable to wait for employee surveys and we, all, and we often only run them every two years. And I was terribly impressed because I met, this was in, um, in Northern Ireland, um, uh, uh, somebody who was running an Intel fabrication plant or maybe it was in, in uh, yeah, Dublin I can't remember anyway it was no I think it was in Dublin. and um, uh, and they were trying to make some changes and he the leader of this thing he started a process of doing an employee survey every month and and then holding his managers to account for saying look we we we, we want to get, by next month I want you to get this result from the survey up from 3.3 you know, to 3.8 and go to it and then we're going to survey next month so that that is really using kpis in a in in a managerial sense to keep the organization moving forward um i was i, I was incredibly impressed and it really worked i mean he you know, i think in, in over a period of 18 months he completely transformed the uh, the organization in the way he was planning to and that that, that reminds me actually when I took your course, there were people from all over uh, the world there from a huge range of, of sectors. And what I found fascinating were was how organization design has been implemented and the practicalities and the benefits of that. Is there certain, you know, stories or, you know, things that you could share or examples where like if people were to take your course, how might they benefit? Like, you know, for me, I, I've clearly benefited because, you know, in terms of my own uh, facilitation and coaching practice, uh, it's been wonderful. 
what are the other like you know winning stories that you've heard well um i think it's it's slightly difficult a little self-serving yeah <laughs> um, yeah but but um, the one you were telling me at the beginning, um, how th- this it, it gave you a language for dialoguing with senior people that ha- has transformed the way you, well, I, I guess also the, the amount of business that, that you've got. And as I think for independence, that is um, an outcome that I'm definitely trying to help them get from the course, and not all of them get it in the way that I think you have. Um, but I, I can, I can think of. I mean, I, I have some Ashridge colleagues from from business school who are who are independents, who are sort of adjuncts, who who've been on the course. And I remember one of them saying to me, um, "It, it's unbelievable. They, these, these, these tools actually work." <laughs> you know, I just came out of a meeting with with a, with a top team, and we've, you know, we've moved the the dialogue forward by three months. You know, just in in four hours, um, and. That, that's what I, I think is exciting. But also, I, there are companies like um, I think I can probably mention uh, Mars, who have sent I don't know about twenty people from different parts of Mars on on the organization course, and um, and and have kind of institutionalized the frameworks and tools and to help them uh, with the the changes that they're making there. And um, and that's very rewarding. You you feel your you feel you're doing what you intend to do. When I when I when I do research, and um, and write books, I, I have what's something I call a tombstone strategy, which is I'm I'm trying to develop some ideas which will um, be taught in business schools and and used by managers after I'm dead. Yeah. Which, which is which is going to happen pretty soon. So actually, it's not so difficult. <laughs> it used to be, but 20 years ago, it was quite a challenge. <laughs> Yeah, and I think you know, I'm sure your your tools will definitely uh, live on, and it's it's great to have a a living uh, legend here talk to us. Um, and in terms of that, what are the kind of key takeaways then uh, for people to consider then for that agile design? What what takeaways should they be? Um, so the the key things when we were beginning to explore them, I think are um, first to recognise that design is really about getting a match between the task and the person. And that because people are, are not, uh, not not like a piece of machinery, you can't be certain how they're going to behave. That's a difficult challenge in itself. Yeah. Um, and, and you don't always have the people that you want. So you often have to mold the task. So you're trying to get a match between the task and, and the person. Um, uh, and, and then you're also trying to think quite deeply about the relationship between people. So, you know, working well together is about good working relationships. And, um, and so you need to think about which, re- which relationships are going to be tricky. You can anticipate either because the, the people don't like each other or, or because there's some conflict, you know, inherent in the, in the, in the design. Um, and, um, and so you're, 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 you're and, and then I think you want to get these accountabilities clear so that you will know when you've got the, the fit between the person and the task wrong or KPIs maybe is the right thing, but performance measure. So you'll know whether something isn't working either that the, these two teams aren't working well together or this team is not performing. And, and then you'll, you, you can then um, encourage redesign at the micro level. Okay. So, you know, if it's not working, 
figure it out, re redesign the, you know, change the process, you know, change the, 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 the authorities, you know, whatever it is that's required, get small micro redesigns happening. Um, and then you need some some process at the at the level to to, to review those small designs every quarter or whatever it is to to see that they're not undermining some fundamental somewhere else. And then, given that um, people are uh, when they're when they're making changes, they're often having Im impacts on others. Um, you need a I, I think it's probably I, I got it from holacracy. But this idea of a, a rate who can raise attention. So, for example, I'm, I, I, um, I would love to be able to raise attention in Ashridge between me and the, the marketing team, because you know they're not doing the marketing that I would like them to be doing <laughs> for my courses. But I don't have a, a other than going and knocking on their door and them ignoring me. I don't really have any mechanism for solving this problem. Um, and um, and so you need a mechanism for that, like a like a. Um, an Andon cord in, in Toyota, where you, you, you know, the, the person on the production line, if it isn't working in the way they, they was expecting, they can pull a cord and then engineers will come running and, and try and solve the problem for them. That's what you need, I think, for, for where, where somebody's work is, is being influenced by what's happening somewhere else and they don't have any, any ability to, to affect that. And then, I mean, then the big thing, which I think we often overlook is, is self-interest that human yeah. beings do what they think is going to benefit them most or their department or their boss or whatever it is. And so we need a, a process for reducing, dampening. Obviously, you, you can, you, you, one utilizes self-interest to get things to happen often, but, but where self-interest would conflict with what you're trying to do, you need some reward system, culture, you know, leadership structures, which, which dampen those, those forces of self-interest. So those, those are some of the ideas I've been playing with. And it, it's funny how it's complemented my work. So, I, you know, I study organization behavior and now organization design, and I do leadership in teams as a facilitator, as a coach. But um, I might never reveal this to you before, but actually I'm a mediator as well. Right? And I'm a co-owner in Mediation Foundation of Ireland. And what I found is a bit like what you're saying is there's, there's sometimes it's the system causes a lot of conflict, as you were saying. And for me, this has been breathtaking that I can have frameworks here. I can have that systemic thinking to say, well, hold on here. Well, maybe it's actually not between two personalities. Maybe if we focus on the problem, which is the system and the system is actually causing all the conflict, which is causing all the productivity issues or whatever and that brings to mind then you know you mentioned the whole um notion of holacracy you might explain to the listeners what holacracy is and then it, that, if might I be, might... that might be harder <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that that might that, i'm not sure we could do that in a in a five okay <laughs> yeah 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 but but it's it's i think it's this whole future of the workplace you know, is going to bring in all these different elements of how we do operate. Um, and, you know, we're coming to I the like end. The, yeah. I like the point you made about that it's often the system that is holding people back. And yeah. um, Sumantra Ghoshal, who, who was a professor at uh, INSEAD and London Business School, used to, um, he, he's unfortunately he died, but he, he had a great phrase, which was, you know, some organizations are like, um, uh, Delhi in summer, you can you know you can hardly breathe. It, it takes all your energy to to walk 
you know, across the street. Um, or maybe he mentioned somewhere else. But anyway, he is an Indian, so he was able to to be rude about uh, about a, a, a hot piece of India. And then, you know, and others are like the the, the woods in spring in, in, in INSEAD, uh, which they have beautiful woods outside of uh, uh, Fontainebleau in France. And, um, uh, and you know, it's, it, it's easy, everything's easy. You feel energized every step you take, you know, you look around and are, you know, in awe um, uh, how things are working. And it's that, it's that contrast. And it's your, obviously what you're trying to do is to create organizations like the latter um, rather than the former, but sadly so many of them are like the former and it's, we, we fight against the system to get the job done. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's about creating better systems, isn't it? It's about creating better systems, and it's you know, and I think you, you would probably find football teams where the the players are saying, "Oh my God, the system the boss is running is is a nightmare." You know, it's that's why we're not scoring goals and not winning matches, and and others where they'd say, you know, the boss is incredible. He he or she is is um, you know providing us with the guidance that make us brilliant. And it's the same in organizations. So we're coming near to the end of the podcast now, Andrew. Thank you so much for your time today. I, I really appreciate it. So I want to give you some um, some time to maybe some, uh, some parting words, but also if people are to contact you, how might they do so? Um, well, uh, I, certainly my my you can put my email on the on the blog. I don't know how, how you do that, but Andrew.Campbell at and unfortunately, it's totally unmemorable. Ashridge.halt.edu um, is my is my email address, and people are, are welcome to email me. Um, I have a blog, um, which is uh, uh, again a bit of a mouthful. Ashridge on operating models, so it's all one word. dot com, um, where um, people can interact with me. I've got a Twitter account at at at, at operating models. And um, and LinkedIn, um, I I, uh, uh, I do interact a bit on LinkedIn as well. So um, please, yeah, anyone anyone's interested, get get in touch. And I have to I have to personally recommend your books uh, there, which which are really a, a strong part of my practice, and also the course that I did in uh, Astridge. Uh, it's not not only is it a wonderful setting, but it's a wonderful learning environment uh, there. So Andrew, thank you so much for taking the time today. I know you're incredibly uh, busy, and thanks for coming on to the Workplace Podcast. It's a pleasure, William, and very nice to meet up with you again. That's it for this episode of the Workplace Podcast. My special thanks to this week's guest for a wonderful discussion. If you want to get in contact with a podcast about a workplace topic or a particular challenge that you're facing, contact me via Twitter at Different Paths. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn, William Corless, C-O-R-L-E-S-S, or go to my website, www.yellowwood.ie. Yellowwood your external learning and development partner, provider executive coaching, facilitation and training. Take a different path to success with your career, leadership, team and organization.